let's begin with unique self and shadow. And here I'm picking up, Mega K, you know, a conversation that we've had a number of times really since like 2003 when I read Transformations of Consciousness, you know, that, that book where you wrote that fabulous essay on the different fulcrums and the different right. pathologies at every, every fulcrum. Right. That was the book with the turquoise cover. That's how I remember your books. What <laughs> color was the cover? <laughs> turquoise cover there, right? Um, and I can find it in the, uh, in the bookshelf. <laughs> so, 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 you know, and, and, and in light of that conversation, let me just kind of step in right now, now directly into content. So you talked about there about how when a person doesn't, and you know, properly transition from one fulcrum of consciousness to another, right. when there's a kind of dissociation, so that creates a split off, right, of, of a dimension of self, which can turn into shadow, and I'm going to turn to you in a couple of minutes just to talk really about that and that structure and how that works. Yes. Right? In, in response to that, in response to my, my both, you know, both how helpful that was in, in my own thinking, right, and, and how helpful it, it, it was in kind of understanding certain dimensions in psychology and, and levels of consciousness, right, I shared with you a, a, a different integral approach to shadow, which, if I would say it in one word, was based not on levels but on types, right? right? And particularly, you know, if we look at unique self as the ultimate typology, you know, while masculine and feminine are obviously a typology, you know, an Enneagram is a way of doing typology, and, you know, the five Buddha families are a way of doing typology, and the Sphirot and Kabbalah, you know, are ways of doing typology, you know, what unique self says is that, that actually every person is in some sense a typology of one. Right. right? And, that, and that therefore, you know, they have infinite dignity, infinite value. They're not reducible, right, to any other typology. And, and that creates, you know, the great liberal understanding of the infinite dignity and adequacy of the individual. Right. Now, yeah, which is really, really, you know, critical. So from that perspective, what I started thinking about, you know, 20 years back when, when my mind still worked was was that you know as i began seeing in myself which is which is always the first place to look and then i began seeing in people that i was working with that often their shadow would emerge right because they weren't in some sense living their story and i want to use story here precisely i don't mean the story that good vajrayana buddhism says to move beyond meaning the story of the coiled and contracted separate self but I mean story in the sense of the, you know, infinite, unique perspective expression of self that, you know, later ultimately, you know, we started to call unique self. Right? And so in some sense what shadow, I began to understand that shadow was in some sense unique self distortion. Right? That the distortion of unique self, right, created shadow expression. And, and that, that began to be, you know, a very, very powerful understanding of, of how typologies play in such a profound way in shadow. And I, I was talking to some of, our, some of our mutual younger friends, you know, um, Zach, other people, and, and it, kind of, it really kind of made shadow kind of come alive for them in a way that the classical shadow literature doesn't do because the classical shadow literature is, is kind of confused. You're not quite sure what is shadow, and you're not quite sure, you know, why it's important to integrate. There's kind of this clarion call to shadow integration, but... No one's quite sure what it is or why, you know, until your essay, which, which talked about it from one perspective that we're about to get to. But from this typology perspective, you know, something becomes 
really interesting and really clear. And what, what actually you, you begin to understand that that at its core, right, shadow has the same DNA, right, as your unique self. So you don't have a shadow in a generic sense. You have a unique shadow, which is essentially either the distortion, right, of your unique self or your unlived unique self, right, or, or you know, to borrow a phrase from you that you use, I believe, in uh, in the No Boundary Consciousness book, I think, right, where, where shadow is from a unique self perspective a lie that you're tell, telling about yourself, mm-hmm. right? Although you weren't talking unique self in that book, but you used the term lie, and I remember reading it, and it really struck me, right? right? You know, it's a lie about yourself. So in this case, if we put these two teachings together, it's a lie about your unique self. It's an unlived story, right? It's an unlived unique self-expression. And if I can close by just giving you one example just to make this real and then, you know, talk more about it, you know, after hearing, you know, your perspective, I'll just give you one really, just really interesting example. I was, I was working with a, a, a fantastic woman who's the head of a, a major private school, like the most elite private school in Europe. Right. You know, really, really smart, really delightful, really lovely, you know, working with her for several years. And she just had one thing going on, and I asked her permission to tell this story, which is she would get Ken in these kind of arbitrary fights with people, but like really arbitrary. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, this nicest person in the world would kind of draw some line in the sand, you know, and, and get into this massive argument with the dean of the school. Like, really? Like, it just, it just, it just didn't fit, didn't work. And as we worked together over time, you know, she's a teacher. You know, I asked her to teach me. I said, okay, like, you know, you teach. So next three weeks, you know, be my teacher. And, of course, you pay me still, but, you know, be my teacher. You know, and, you know, she did three weeks of teaching and really great teaching. She taught me the New Testament, Luke 15, I remember. And what was completely fascinating was what she did entirely doing the entire time was what I would call feminine teaching. I mean, she held the container. She facilitated me beautifully. But she never took a stand about anything she believed in, right? And as it was kind of classical, the shadow of classical liberal teaching, meaning completely facilitative, but no insemination, no taking a stand. And what we realized was that because she was a teacher, that was her unique self. But a key dimension of her teaching persona, meaning the masculine teacher who takes a stand, who inseminates, who draws a line, was actually disowned. So that emerged in shadow form and her taking a stand arbitrarily about essentially irrelevant issues because she had actually disowned this key part of her unique self. And we gradually worked over a period of time in changing her teaching style to move past that kind of green level consciousness liberal teaching trope and to integrate the masculine. And not only did her evaluation soar, but literally, Ken, we saw in six months that shadow dimension she worked on for 20 years disappeared. Wow. So it's kind of a, a, a dramatic understanding of shadow, you know, as unique self-distortion and shadow integration, last sentence on my side, then all of a sudden that, that kind of clarion call, which is so poorly explained in books like Robert Bly's Little Book of the Shadow or, in, you know, the classical works, it's just no one understands what it is, right? Now shadow integration, it's not just to bring your negative attributes into first person and right. know that they're there. That's, of course, a first step, which, for example, we would do in the 3 one process that, that, that you developed. Right. The next step would be, the natural next integral step would be, you know, to integrate your shadow is actually to integrate your 
unique shadow, which leads you back to your unique self. You're actually integrating your unlived unique self, and all of a sudden it becomes super clear why it's critical to integrate your shadow, not just because you don't want to be driven by the disowned negativity in you, but more than that, a, a leapfrog forward, you're actually integrating right, your personal essence, which actually you know, is everything that you are and opens up every door. So that's, that's a kind of an exciting, really move, kind of evolutionary leap in, in shadow understanding. So kind of putting that forth to, to start the conversation. Yeah, um, there are a lot of ways to, to um, go at this. Um, Carl Jung used to say that one gets to the self through the shadow. Yeah. And um, which, which is a type of variation on, on, that, on that topic. Right. And I think he had that uh, intuition that you're you're discussing um, that the shadow wasn't you know just uh, pathology, but was in some sense part of a, a compass pointer towards um, some way that you've gotten derailed in, right. in your life. Somehow you've you've gotten off track, um, and um, as you say, it's it's uh, um, distorted unique self or uh, unlived unique self or or um, using the, the no boundary term it, 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 it's a lie basically about your unique self it's a lie about your life it's where you're not fundamentally telling the truth about yourself and that leads then you know obviously um, to all sorts of uh, negativities and um, you, you don't have to have repression or, or reaction formation or any of those things if, if you're just simply lying. Right. And, you know, if, and if you're, you're, I mean, the shadow is the nexus of the lie. It's the, it's, it's the, the whole core around where you can't face certain truths in a in a direct and honest and straightforward way, and when these truths in particular have to do with your essence, you are the very core of what you are. Then you're you're telling um, basically, uh, um, in a sense, the biggest the biggest lie that you you can, and that's going to have the uh, biggest impact on how you fail to live up to your your genuine capacities, your true potentials, your real self, your unique self. And it's um it it also goes to show that the unique self can't simply overpower what certain conventional things that are going on right, in the mind. So important. Mm. Yeah. So, so we we have to kind of, uh, as usual, where um, you know a, a holistic or integral approach is is required. We have to sort of keep one foot in the unique self and and one foot in 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 the conventional self, and make sure that these two are lined up um, as well. And and so um, seeing um bringing the unique self into um the shadow and having the shadow fundamentally connected with the unique self i think is a is a very important move um at the same time it doesn't it doesn't stop us from 
saying, for example, we, we take the example of the um, woman that you discussed and how she had gotten caught in a lie about her unique self. But it's more than just a lie. It, it's a lie at the green level. Mm. Right. And so we can still keep the notion of of a hierarchy of shadow elements because that tells us when we started lying about our unique self. When did we get out of touch with our unique perspective? Was it red? Was it amber? Was it orange? Was it green? Is my lie, am I lying to myself about the kind of safety that I want to express with my unique self? Am I lying to myself about the type of belongingness that I want my unique self to be involved in? Am I lying to myself about the self-esteem that I have and how the unique self is connected with that? Am I lying to myself about self-actualization? And am I caught in the green swamp? Well, that's, that's a brilliant movie. I don't know if everyone gets it. That way. I'm going to talk about that. It's a brilliant movie you just made. I mean, you just made a fucking brilliant, pardon, pardon the word, brilliant. Sorry. I'm on well, that's, that's a brilliant move. And it's, what you just basically did is you just took the entire levels of consciousness thing and folded it back into right, the unique self-conversation as part of what that lie is. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then that gives us a, a chance of, of pinpointing with um, a little more accuracy, the type of lie that you're involved with, and when it probably happened, um, if it's red, it's probably something that happened with your parents, and it's probably going to be, therefore, something that you're going to repeat when you get in intimate relationships. And knowing that's going to give you a little bit of a, a, a handle on telling the truth about this and so that you can you can reconnect with your unique self and what it really wants under that lie the more you understand that lie and understanding whether it's a red or an amber or an orange or green uh, whether it's self-actualization that you're lying about or whether it's even self-transcendence that you're lying about um, these important issues that flesh out that lie and point us in the, in the direction where we can bring again these two sides of the street together. Yeah. And and make sure that we're we're tracking both as as carefully as we can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 is so super important. I want to actually take a second to unpack for the listener some of the implications of what you said because yeah. we we kind of meandered into kind of a super um high level conversation where there's a lot of implications. So let me just share I, I would just recommend everyone listening to go back and read um Ken's essay in Transformations of Consciousness. And I'm gonna give a very, very, you know, almost superficial but but clear enough summation of kind of one core point there, which Ken is building on, you know, in what he's saying right now. Sorry to talk about you in the third person. Yes. So, 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 so basically, let me try and give one example of it. And it, what this essay basically talks about is that at every fulcrum of consciousness, you have to appropriately transcend and include whatever the goods were of that particular level and disidentify with that level in order to move to the next level. But you have to disidentify and not dissociate. 
Because right. if you dissociate, right, then it then it's a disaster. And right. you know, you've applied that intuition, Ken, in any number of ways, which I think are critically important. You know, for example, in the marriage of sense and souls. You know, that was, I think, your one book with Broadway books instead of Shambhala, right? Um, you know, um, which is probably its own story. But you've got a, you know, the great chapter there on the kind of mistake of modernity where it basically, you know, dis- dissociates instead of disidentifies from certain dimensions of spirit, creating, you know, side by side with the dignity of modernity, the disasters of modernity. Right. So you basically apply this intuition, this psychological intuition, structural intuition about dissociation versus disidentification to how culture moves through levels of consciousness or how culture moves through relationships to spirit and it can apply also to an individual moving through levels of consciousness right okay. to kind of again you know for i mean let me just think of one example offhand i'm thinking of actually my same you know um, good friend in switzerland a swiss woman right who you know happens to come from you know a very wealthy family which we might call orange Right, that kind of orange level, and she moved to green, but instead of disidentifying right with orange, she dissociated from orange, yeah. and the result was that her two daughters are now mega driven as hedge fund fund you know hedge fund you know kind of traders completely into finances in other words right. Predictable. Predictable, right? So, and, 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 right and, it, and it's exactly your model, right? Yeah. Be, instead of disidentifying, she dissociated with orange consciousness. That means yeah. that it was disowned in her, which means that it appeared in a raging form in the next generation. Exactly. Exactly. And then when the, when the kids want to differentiate from their parents, the best thing they can do is identify with something that they have dissociated. Exactly. No, exa- exactly. And when I shared this um, with her, Right? It was, yeah. you know, in working with her daughters, it was a blow away revelation. And it yeah. was kind of really, really powerful. I mean, it was just, you know, wow. It creates an incredible space of insight. And here's where, and I think that's been our excitement over the years, here's where unique self and, you know, it integrates with integral theory in such a natural way because what we then say is that, you know, your unique self is not only your proclivities, your right. talents, right? Your gifts. It's not only. Right, your unique perspective, which births your unique gifts, which creates your unique obligation, which we talked about last time. But your unique self is completely refracted through and part and parcel of your level of consciousness. Right. And that's that's utterly – so therefore, part of your unique self is to know, well, where am I on the spiral to the extent that, of course, you can only know if you're you're at second tier because you you can only see the spiral then. But but you begin to kind of identify – and see yourself, you know, and understand where you are in the story. And, of course, paradoxically, unique self only appears as, as a spontaneous level of consciousness. Uniqueness appears as a spontaneous level of consciousness at what you called in one of our conversations a couple of years back, kind of, it's not a deduction, unique self, it's a spontaneous expression, right? right. You know, at, at second tier, right, at second tier, right? at the level when you can actually see what your level of consciousness is. Right. So key in kind of charting your unique self, you know, position and understanding what the source of your shadow is would be, well, what's my relationship to levels of consciousness? Where am I? What parts of different levels might I have dissociated instead of disidentified from? Right. And, and that becomes part of, right, the lie about my unique self, right? Levels of consciousness are not separate from unique self. They're completely integral to it. So this is a really exciting, this is the first time I think we've put this together this clearly, 
Yeah. Which is really exciting. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good. This is, really, this is exciting. This is really, this is this is really really clear, and I think it's going to allow for you know the emergence, you know, of and here's you know maybe our next topic, you know, our next topic is 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 what what would unique self therapy look like? 